Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I am still on the mend. At least I hope I am. It doesn't seem like it, though. It seems I take three steps forward and two steps back. This hip replacement surgery was misrepresented to me from the loss of sleep standpoint and from the, uh, I guess, just general pain. This sucker hurts. It does. Apparently, I have a hematoma, which uh, I've had those before. When I had my cardiac cath, I got one of those. And then uh, this time, it's underneath my scar. I don't mean to be gross or anything, but it's just swollen and somewhat painful. But here I am. I'm at work. I'm in my office here at Gateway Ford and Gateway Nissan, reinforcing the fact that attitude is everything for the most part. Positive attitude helps you overcome obstacles. I wrote something the other day. I, I've been thinking about pressure, about the pressure that people face, regardless of the circumstance. It could be family pressure. It could be you know, problems with your car, problems with uh, your overall finances, pressure from work, pressure from your bosses. Um, and I think my point, I'm under a lot of pressure right now, uh, from a healing standpoint, you know, trying to get back into the the swing of things. Uh, also in business, uh, the, uh, you know, a car dealership is a pressure cooker every day to a certain extent. And sometimes it just gets to you. But, you know, I think pressure is actually a privilege because in, men, in most circumstances, well, let's say many circumstances, it means you're still in the game. Um, it means you're being challenged, even tested. You will have to adapt, no doubt about that. You'll have to overcome things to get where you want to be. You pass through this with a win, lose, or a draw, but you will reach the end of the tunnel. However, you will not be able to relax because more pressure is usually right around the corner. And the thing is, you need to be grateful for it because it will make you even better, make me even better, as long as I never get down, give in, or give up. So that's what I'm trying to do every day, every day getting up to fight another fight. Whenever my mom knew that I was struggling a little bit, she would say, she would remind me, we'd talk in the morning and she'd say, remember Lenny, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So sometimes those positive affirmations in the morning uh, can make a big difference. I know uh, I used to read a book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And he talked about looking in the mirror and saying positive things. Tape them up on the mirror. Uh, positive things about yourself, about your circumstances, and that you know if you say it often enough, it will become a reality for you. So I'm saying I'm going to be perfectly well enough to go to the Amelia Island Concord Elegance in two weeks. I'm holding on to that hope because I really look forward to it. That's one of my annual brother trips. And we go to these big car auctions, the Gooding Auction, the RM auction. Uh, there's three others that we drop in on. And then the, you have the big car show on Saturday. So, or is it on Sunday? I don't know. My brother keeps the calendar. Here's something kind of interesting that I saw in the news. Ford, that's Ford Motor Company, is developing parts from olive tree fibers. So Ford said last week that it has successfully tested com composted olive trees grown in Spain into certain car parts. So researchers in Germany combined 40% olive tree fibers 
and 60% recycled polypropylene plastic, then heated the substance and injected it into a mold to make various car parts. Well, that's a good thing. The test we did, this is somebody, I'm quoting Thomas Baranowski, the test we did, the simulations showed that this material is very capable of being used in our cars. So Ford said that the composite material could both reduce its use of plastic and help it make use of some of the 7 million tons of olive tree waste that result from pruning every year. Well, I guess when you're, um, there's a lot of olive oil in grocery stores, and I know my wife uses a lot of olive oil, and I guess those trees, I know they live a long time. I mean, I remember going to Italy and uh, our guide took us through an olive grove and she pointed out some trees that were over a thousand years old. I don't know how they know that, but uh, yeah. So, but anyway, a lot of the trees do ha- have to be cut down and trimmed and stuff like that. So there's a tremendous amount of pruning apparently that takes place. So Ford has really had a long history of using recycled materials in its vehicles. In recent years, Ford researchers have developed auto parts out of soybeans, shredded money, coffee beans, and agave plant fibers. So Ford said that its Bronco Sport crossover is the first vehicle to use wiring harness clips made fully from recycled ocean plastic. So the region where the trees are harvested is the world's biggest producer of olive oil, Ford said, so the material is plentiful. And although the company said its tests were successful, it didn't indicate whether it plans to use the olive-infused parts in upcoming production vehicles, but it looks fairly likely. You know, my wife and I go to recycling uh, about every two weeks, and we pull in there, typically take our 1962 Corvair Rampside, and we're always a big hit when we pull in uh, because people say, what is that? I've never seen one of those before. Is that a Ford? You know, because I'm a Ford dealer. I said, no, it's a Chevrolet. It's a Corvair. That's not a Corvair. Yes, it is. It is. See? What well, is? Yeah, the engine's in the back. So, yeah, so we're a big hit. But we take, uh, you know, the cardboard and all that stuff. And I've just never been much as far as recycling. But my wife's a big believer in it. So, And it's time that I can spend with her. And plus interact with people and argue whether my, my uh, ramp side is a Corvair or a Ford. Okay, so what else is going on? Oh, This kind of interesting article I read about uh, Hertz, you know, the rental car company. They're unloading 20,000 EVs. They really stocked up on EVs. 80% of the 20,000 were Teslas. But they are planning on selling a whole bunch of their EV fleet because people didn't want to rent them and the inconvenience of charging them. I mean, that was the big issue. Uh, The sales of these 20,000 EVs began last month and will continue over the course of 2024. Uh, Hertz expects to record a non-cash charge in its fourth quarter results. I don't understand how this is a non-cash charge. Of $245 million related to their loss on these vehicles. So in October, Hertz CEO Stephen Scher said that the company would scale back on EVs, which had made up about 11% of its fleet. As I said, Tesla's represented 80% of that. He said EVs come with higher repair cost compared with the rest of its cars. Most of the cars that we buy from Hertz, and we do buy some from them, we buy from Hertz and Enterprise. 
and um, that's about all there is right now. Um, Hertz vehicles are typically in a little bit worse condition because they keep them longer. We, we like buying vehicles from Enterprise better because they're usually in better condition. Those are typically uh, sold as what is defined as a program car. You may have heard that term program car as opposed to just a regular used car. Well, what's the difference? Well, program car is a part of a program by the manufacturer, like let's just say Chevrolet decides that, uh, well, Hertz approaches Chevrolet and say, we want to buy 20,000 Malibus. So since they can't sell them directly, they sell them through a dealer through this special program, which involves huge discounts on the vehicles. But it goes through a dealer or multiple dealers and then on to Hertz. Hertz keeps them in service for up to 30, 40,000 miles, and then they take them back to the auctions and then sell them in bulk. And so dealers like myself go and, and bid on these cars. Now, of course, before I'm going to buy a rental car, I'm going to actually see it, touch it, smell it, you know, do all of the different evaluations. A lot of people buy, or a lot of dealers, buy these vehicles online without ever seeing the cars. And sometimes when you get them, when they unload them off the truck, you can see why it was so cheap, you know, because it's beat up, it's beat up doesn't have any panel that doesn't have a dent in it. Uh, the tires are worn out and so forth. They're supposed to represent them uh, as, you know, in terms of condition. But they don't always do a good job because they use a third party to do that. So we go to the auction. If we're buying program cars, you know, my used car buyers, they're supposed to see them, touch them, drive them, drive them around a lot, make sure that the cars, you know, don't smell musty like they've been wet or smoked in, for example. That's a big problem with rental cars. Because, I mean, a lot of people just don't take care of rental cars like they take care of their own car. They're more careless, and they should shame on them, right? Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. Would you rather buy a program car, a local one-owner trade-in, or a car that um, has been, let's say it's been sold at multiple auctions from one dealer to another dealer, and um, the last auction it was bought in, um, let's say, Statesville, North Carolina, and then, I mean, I'm just saying stuff that you might see on a on a history report, if you were to pull a Carfax or something. So, you know, a car that's been passed around a lot, you know, from dealership to dealership, state to state. Would that concern you? Well, it would concern me. You know, if I pull the history on a car and I see that it has had a uh, an accident, you know, as long as it's something minor and I can get more information about it, I don't have a problem with it. I had a lady come in the other day, and she was complaining because she'd bought a car from us. And she said that she had asked the salesperson if the car had ever been wrecked, and she said that he said no. And so we, I went ahead and pulled the auto check, and the car had been in an accident. And she said she swore up and down that the salesperson said that, that the vehicle had not been in an accident. Well, so I just basically asked her, you know, what would you like for us to do? She said, I just want to make sure that the car you know, is a good car and it will last me a long time. I said, well, let me do a little bit more research. So I'll get back with you. So I called the uh, previous owner, and he said, yes, he was in an accident. It was fixed at a, uh, under a state farm insurance policy at a very reputable body shop. They did have to replace the airbag on the driver's side, and uh, that was pretty much it. It wasn't extensive damage, but it was enough to, to uh, deploy the airbag. So I called her back and gave her all that information. And you know what? 
She was fine with it. And so I still felt like we we owed her something, so I gave her a year's worth of complimentary maintenance. And she was very appreciative of that. You know, a lot of times people just want you to level with them. You know, don't play games. Have you ever bought a car and gone to a dealership and you found something else about it? Or you were looking underneath and found some overspray, you know, some paint where it's maybe on the bumper or on the, the frame underneath the car, and you go in and ask the dealership about it, and they get all defensive. You know, well, you bought the car as is. What do you expect? You know, they won't let you talk to the sales manager. Well, he's busy. You know, call three or four times, and they don't ever call you back. You know, what does that tell you about how they feel about you? Well, you are just a sale. And to those people, you know, it's lots of times you see this in very high-volume stores. Um, you know, these are the ones that, uh, that do a lot of the shady practices and stuff that I talk about on this radio show. But unfortunately, you can't find that stuff out until after you've already bought the car, and then you go in to have something done. Now, I'm not going to say that, that I haven't had customers come in and they were mad because of, a, you know, they brought their vehicle in for service and, and you know, they, maybe it was their first visit or their 10th visit or whatever, and things just didn't go well. And so they either wanted to talk to me or talk to a service manager. You know, I always encourage my uh, service advisors that if you have a customer that just, you know, if you hand them a repair order after they uh, have some work done and, and they kind of pause and they're sitting looking at it and, you know, they got this look on their face like they're questioning it. Don't wait. Ask them, you know, ma'am, do you have any questions about that? I'd be happy to answer some questions if you have any. You know, let, let's solve the problem before they get out of the dealership. I want them to, to you know, pay their bill if they owe money on the bill. It could be a warranty repair. To get in their vehicle and drive off with a smile on their face thinking, well, you know, that was easy. I mean, that's what you want. And then when they get home, they, and they, after they've driven the car for a few days, they recognize that the car was fixed. Now, if the car wasn't fixed and it's still making that noise, this is when the, the true test occurs. Because when they bring it back and they say, you know, it's still making that noise or they car or whatever, it's time to put it on like DEFCON 4. I don't know if that's the highest DEFCON or not. Maybe DEFCON 1 is the highest. So... That's when the service manager gets involved. Uh, that's when uh, we are doing everything we can. We offer to pick up the customer's car at their house, drop off a loaner car. I mean, it's time to salvage that relationship and get that car fixed. Now, a lot of dealerships, when you walk in and you, you know, you're back for the second time, say, well, let me see if I can make you an appointment. You know, there's no apology. There's no walking out to the car and, and, you know, just sitting there and talking about it, maybe offer to go on a test drive or something like that with them. You know, if I had a, a drivability issue, uh, let's say that the vehicle was hesitating or, you know, it just wouldn't take fuel or it was uh, vibrating, uh, that the steering wheel was vibrating or it was pulling one way or the other, and I'd already had it in there once, when I go in the second time, more than likely I'm going to ask somebody to ride with me. Because I want somebody to see what I'm talking about. I don't just want to drop it off and say, well, it's still making that noise. Okay, we'll get you next Tuesday. And then you drop it off next Tuesday, and you get it back the third time, and it's still not fixed. You know, I hate to put this burden on you, car owners, but 
you know, sometimes it, you have to be your own advocate. It's just like my brother is a, a cardiologist. He's a retired cardiologist. And he said, you know, I love it when somebody comes along with the patient so that, you know, they're, maybe they're a little bit more savvy than the patient. Maybe the patient has a little bit of a dementia or whatever. And my brother always wanted to make sure that there was total and complete understanding of what's going on, you know, so that there's no confusion. Confusion. You know, that he was dealing with, you know, life and death situations, and we're not necessarily dealing with life and death situations, but we're definitely interrupting their car life and causing a problem because they'd, they'd rather not be here. They'd rather be, you know, in their other life, you know, picking up the kids and going on vacations and taking nice Sunday drives and stuff like that without worrying about their car. So... You know, the dealership has to put a priority on that. Now, so you go in the second time, and they agree to ride with you. You duplicate the problem. And what most dealerships are looking at are three things. What is the, what is the complaint? What is the cause? And what is the correction? Complaint, cause, and correction. So we call them the three C's. And most dealerships, uh, technicians, whatever, they, they, they think in these terms because the manufacturer, if we, if we want to su- submit a warranty claim, let's say that your alternator goes out, we replace it under warranty. Uh, the manufacturer wants to see the three C's on that repair order written out. You as a consumer want to see it also. So, you know, you may take your vehicle into the dealership and you've got three different problems that you want to get taken care of, including an oil change and a tire rotation. Well, just make sure that, you know, you're, that they're focusing on fixing the issues that you have. You know, and also I want to make sure if it's a drivability problem, I, I want to check my mileage. This is a little secret. Some of our, our customers do this already, but um, check the mileage on your car. Just write it down off your odometer or trip odometer or whatever. And if you have a drivability problem, you know, like a tire balance issue or a steering problem or, you know, performance, you're not getting good gas mileage, it's hesitating, you know, anything that affects the way the car drives, uh, check your mileage. Let's say that you leave it there for a week to get it fixed and you look at your odometer and it's not advanced any. They have, it doesn't look like they've moved it 100 feet. Then, and, and they're all saying, well, your problem's fixed. Well, that's, I would say, well, it's obvious that nobody test drove it. So how do you know that it's fixed? Please test drive it. I'm not. I really don't want to leave your dealership until somebody has tested and verified that this problem is fixed. Doesn't that make sense? Now, some people don't want to don't want to say that because you know, it's just like the people that complain when they get bad food at a restaurant. Some people will. Some people won't. I mean, I will. I'll do it nicely, you know. But still. I would just say, folks, listen, I checked the mileage before uh, I left my car. This car's not been driven, and it's definitely an issue that that only manifests itself when you drive it. So would somebody please test drive this thing and make sure it's right before I take it home? They'll do it. You might have to wait another 10 or 15 minutes, but they'll do it. They should have done it already. Now, if you look at the odometer and, and they put 10 miles on it, then you know that they've test driven it, or they've had a fun time going to lunch a couple times while it's been there. Hopefully that's not the case. Okay, I'll take my last break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, you may be wanting to uh, get a new car, maybe in a, maybe eight to ten weeks, uh, and you don't want, or you, you can't find what you want on the dealer's lot. 
They just don't have them. Well, right now, the world has improved. You can actually order a car and get it in eight to ten weeks. Now, during the pandemic period in the last couple of years, that was it was a nightmare. We would have vehicles ordered for folks for a year, and they wouldn't come in. We had a couple churches that wanted to order transit vans. And um, what had happened is when all the factories shut down, UPS, FedEx, uh, Amazon, all these big companies that use massive numbers of uh, delivery trucks, they couldn't get their orders, and they couldn't, uh, couldn't get the trucks that they had on order. So what happened when the factories fired back up, uh, if you were a dealer and you had something ordered for, like a transit van order for somebody, you could forget it. Uh, it, it was not going to get built because Ford had to take care of their big-time customers like Amazon and FedEx and so forth. So we couldn't get a transit van for anybody. And we had these uh, two churches that had ordered a mid-roof 15-passenger transit vans and couldn't get them. Well, we just delivered two of them the other day to uh, one of the churches, and finally you know, some of the orders that we had uh, actually got built. But that's not the case now. I mean, if you want to order something now, you can order it. So uh, I was just uh, looking about what my wife's next vehicle is going to be. Her lease on her Pathfinder is going to be up here in just, I think, a month and a half. So they just released the information on the all-new Ford Explorer. And I took a look at it, and I said, wow, Ford has really made some good changes. All-new front end. It's called a refreshing. But whatever they want to call it, it looks really good. And plus, it's bigger than the Pathfinder, and we need a little bit more room. A lot of car seats are in the back for all those grandkids. So uh, they re completely restyled the dash, the instrumentation, the seats, everything. They actually lowered the prices as well. So I'm going to order her one. I don't think it will be in in a week and a half or a month and a half. But I think within two months it will be here, and she'll be able to start enjoying it. She told me she wants white with a black top. That's a big hot thing right now, putting a black top on top on the top of other vehicles. Kind of looks like a vinyl roof from a distance, but it's a big thing. But the good news is that you can order vehicles that you want right now and get it in eight to ten weeks. So whatever you're interested in, if I can ever help you with anything, don't hesitate to call me, absolutely. But if you need any uh, information about the, your car, the car business, the uh, mechanical issues that you're having, feel free to give me a call, 423-552-2020. Or send me an email to Lenny Lawson2020 at gmail.com. Well, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. 